It was a very cruel scene, executed in an unusual manner. Cruel Coven. Hello, partners. Welcome to Cruel and Unusual, the podcast. I'm Tori. I'm Katie. And here we are. Back at it again, lovies. <laughs> How has your week been, Katie? Um, a blur. A blur. A blur. <laughs> a blur. <laughs> Same, actually, even though you mm-hmm. didn't ask me how mine was. But I was about to. <laughs> it was okay. Um, Actually, no, it wasn't. I was in the midst of a few mental breakdowns this yeah, week. Yeah, you were. <laughs> it was a hard and challenging time for me. There was just a lot. Although I did have a nice time relaxing this weekend. Yeah. With my husband's side of the family, social distancing, wearing a mask. You did a little road trip. I did a little road trip to Michigan. We didn't get out anywhere. We didn't stop. We just drove straight there. But yeah, we just road tripped over to my husband's parents' beach house and we stayed inside. <laughs> Aside from when we walked down to the beach away from everybody so how we long were you anyone. on the beach for? five minutes <laughs> i couldn't stay there number yeah. one it was sunny number two covid season yeah <laughs> number three it was very windy number four i had a baby that didn't have a hat mm-hmm. and she has a little bald spot and also i just didn't want to be around anyone not right. that anyone was around us at that time but i didn't even want someone to walk past me yeah <laughs> so yeah that was the only thing we did while we were there and that was totally fine with me i was a little bit relaxed on saturday And I didn't think about social media at all. I didn't even respond to social media at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we went to a hot dog stand. We stayed in the car, obviously, but... Um, Sherry got out and got us a hot dog. It was nice. Did it make you want a hot dog real bad? I wanted a, that beach. It made me want a hot dog real bad. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was my weekend. And now it's Monday and we're doing great. Yeah, I haven't done a damn thing. And that's kind of how I like it. Um, I have a couple of interesting headlines. Do you want me to read mine first or do you want to go first? Go ahead. Okay, so the first one is one that you actually found. The headline here, and it's from abc7.com. Quote, Orange County's oldest Jane Doe cold case murder solved after 52 years. I fucking love that. Isn't that crazy? I love it. Um, Continuing the quote, using genetic genealogy, detectives were able to identify a young woman found dead in a Huntington Beach farm field Mm. more than 50 years ago. Um, And then ABC7 goes on to talk about how Obviously, like I just said, using genetic genealogy, they were able to actually identify this lady who was left in a farm field, mm-hmm. Anita Louise Pateau from Maine. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? They had originally found her body on March 14th of 1968, and it was found by three young boys who were playing like on the street near the farm. She had been severely raped, severely beaten, and her neck was slashed. <sighs> Mm-hmm. She was only 26 at the time. Oh, my God. I'm assuming she she might still have, you know, some family living. Okay, so another quote from further down in the article. Huntington Beach police were also able to identify her suspected killer. Wow. Uh-huh, as Johnny <sighs> Crisco, who had been discharged after three years in the Army following a psychological exam that found he had a pattern of being quick to anger, easy to feel unjustly treated, chronically resentful, immature and impulsive end quote wow the only unfortunate thing is uh he was already dead 
He yeah. died in 2015 of cancer. Fucker. And he was not even uh, like a suspect originally. Wow. In the case. I love what they're doing with this genealogical I know. DNA. I hope I know. that they, because we've got um, our very own Jane Doe and she was found, I think, in the 70s. And I know that they had gotten a little bit closer to finding her family. Hopefully they can identify her soon. Real quick, I just want to read the rest of this because it's happy and I like it. Quote, Pateau, known as Jane Doe, for all of these years, had been buried in an unmarked grave in Newport Beach. But her remains have now been taken home to her family in Aww. Maine. It is still not clear how or if she and her killer had known each other. But Huntington Beach police officers who responded to the scene were able to preserve a smoked cigarette butt found near the victim's body. But she was still not identified at the time, despite an extensive follow-up and exhaustive numbers of interviews. Analysis of evidence from the victim's sexual assault kit and clothing developed a male DNA profile in 2001, but there was no identification. A partial DNA profile produced from blood on the victim's blouse was put into the FBI combined DNA index system, and her fingerprints were put into state and national databases, but the efforts at that time were unsuccessful. Analysis of the cigarette butt in 2010 produced a male DNA profile consistent with the profile developed from the assault kit, but again, did not lead to a suspect. Last year, police and district attorney staff turned to the investigative genetic genealogy technique to find a possible family tree. That led to identification of a man named Johnny Crisco as a suspect, authorities said. Pateau was finally identified this year through DNA matches with her family, which includes two living sisters, a brother... And other relatives. The last part of the article says, The death of Johnny Crisco prevented the full imposition of justice for Anita's murder, and that is a wound that will never heal. But it was the dogged pursuit of justice that ensured that it was not if, but when, we would finally be able to tell Anita's loved ones who killed her. Orange County District Attorney Todd Spitzer said in the statement. I love that. It's amazing how they still have. Yeah. They, they have the DNA. And people are they still. They actually did an, uh, an right. assault kit, a rape kit. Right. They did everything and right. It and kept it. Yeah. Oh, my God. They did everything right. And they, they went through all their protocols. They did everything. They saved everything. Mm-hmm. They it didn't botch shit. They didn't forget they about her. They just couldn't get, you know, the right person right. at the time. Because they didn't have the genealogy shit. That's but now amazing. we fucking do. And now yes. we're putting bastards away for good. My my second and last headline is very short. NBC News has a very strange headline. It says, quote, Man dresses as grim reaper to warn Florida beachgoers <laughs> about coronavirus. Yeah. End quote. And then it says, A Florida man donned a grim reaper costume and walked along the state's crowded beaches to warn beachgoers about COVID-19. End quote. Oh, my God. He was just fucking in it to win it. Yeah. He was just walking up and down that beach in his grim reaper costume. Probably sweating to fucking death. Right? Because it's, it's hard, hot as fuck it's down there. It's hard to be goth in this goddamn heat. Yes. And it's humid. And it's awful in there, in Florida. <laughs> in Florida. <laughs> oh, God. In, in Florida, it's terrible. You all know how we feel about Florida. <laughs> you all know we can't handle that humidity, honey. I can't even handle Illinois. I can't handle these southern states. No. Speaking of Florida, Ooh. I've got um, a headline straight out of the, what is it, the Sunshine State or is that California? No, oh, California's Golden the, State. The hottest fuck humid state. <laughs> Okay. I love you, Florida, but I don't like your state. This is from newser.com. Okay. 
The headline is, Florida woman accused of domestic battery against a boyfriend. Okay, that sounds bad. And it, it is bad, mm-hmm. but just listen. Okay. Quote, Tanya Cordero, 47, was arrested Monday after an incident in a mobile home in Largo, Florida. Okay. Per an arrest affidavit, Cordero and her boyfriend, with whom she shares four children, got into a fight in the home owned by the man's mother. The argument was said to have started when Cordero got miffed that her beau closed a window. That when, according to investigators, Cordero, quote, smashed hamburger in his face. Raw? I wonder if it was raw. (laughs) Cops who questioned Cordero said that she denied doing so, but the man, quote, still had hamburger in his ear (laughs) upon Uh, arrival. (laughs) No. They added that Cordero mentioned that she, quote, hope he choked on the burger, end quote. I'm sorry. Violence like this is not funny. It's not. But she was probably fucking sweating her ass (laughs) off, and he closed that window, and she just lost it. And that was the last straw. (laughs) And she fed him this goddamn I feel like if it was, um, like, she sliced his neck open, or, like, she beat him, like, that wouldn't be funny at all. But, like, she put hamburger in his face, you guys. Cordero was charged with misdemeanor domestic battery and released on her own recognizance. Wow. She's not allowed contact with her boyfriend per judge's orders. The children's grandmother has custody of them. Oh, my God. TSG notes she's been in other legal trouble before, including convictions for theft, narcotics, possession, and battering her boyfriend in October after an argument about a Halloween outfit for yeah. the kids. So maybe she has some mental things, she's like mental some, illnesses yeah, going on. I think she's like got a some anger issues. Anger problem, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that that was my headline. She needs to, like, yeah. get some kind of treatment going on. For real. Because yeah. that's awful. And it's yeah. so terrible to be... I bet... And not that I'm, like, sympathizing with her or anything, but I kind of am. Mm-hmm. Because it's hard to be in that position where you need to seek help, but you're not doing it. Right. You know what I mean? Because yeah. of this reason or that reason. Like, honey, if you're listening, mm-hmm. down there in Florida, in the Ball's Hot State, that's what the state's called. The Ball's Hot the State. The Ball's Hot State. Mm-hmm. That's the official title. Um... Just go get help. Nobody's going to fault you for it. Mm-mm. Go get help. Go get your anger issues dealt with. And you just come out on top, honey. Yep. That's what you need to do. I wonder if, I mean, she's got four kids. I wonder if, it if they're be. little or, you know, if it's like postpartum stuff. Because that can stay around for it, years. It could absolutely be. And I have found myself six months postpartum, right? Mm-hmm. I get very irritated over everything. Yeah. And I've always been like kind of an easily irritated person, irritable person. Yeah. But Rory can do no right. <laughs> he can't do right. anything right lately. Mm-hmm. And it's, I get so fucking irritated about everything. Yeah. And I, I, it's from these hormones, I think. Yeah. So if her children are little, it could totally be something with postpartum. Yep. I mean, like I've dealt with depression pretty much since I like middle school. Maybe yeah. it's just like, you know, it floats in and out. Hard, yeah. It's just like part of my life and it's never going to go away. But, you you know, you can treat it. Um, I get very snappy, too, when I am overstimulated, mm-hmm. which I think is why I try to tell you, turn the fucking baby bop down on TV. It's overstimulating because you're thinking baby bop. whatever it's called. <laughs> You're, you've got that on 55 yeah. volume. Yeah. You know, she's jumping and going, making yep. noise in her thing. Yep. You're trying to do stuff. Mm-hmm. It's overstimulation. The dogs are going. Yeah. Yes. The cats are going. Mm-hmm. The husband is going and I'm going apeshit. Yep. And it's the same thing at my house. It's different sounds and things yeah. happening, but it's the same thing. And that's yeah. when I get fucking snappy. Yeah. Tanner's watching something on TV. I don't give a shit. If I'm like <laughs> losing my mind, I just fucking shut it off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that is something that I'm working on in therapy. Mm-hmm. My irritability. Yeah. It's hard. Um, and I never was like I was like I said, I was a little bit weird, but now I'm real weird. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I need to get that fixed. Yeah. So I really hope that that lady who shoved hamburger in that guy's face I gets hope help. So because that and sucks. I'm glad that he wasn't like severely hurt that time. You oh know, me it, too. And I'm glad that they can't have contact because that's yeah. a hard cycle to get out. Yeah. Of. And hopefully the grandma's taking good care of the kids. I hope so, but I feel bad for grandma. Grandma raised kids. <laughs> grandma, grandma doesn't want to do this anymore. <laughs> grandma wants to bake some fucking cookies and have visits. God damn, she's tired. She's probably sweating, I'm and sure. she's over it. I'm sure. So, honey, you get help. And you get back to those kids and you take the, you just give grandma some visits. Okay. <laughs> let her bake some fucking cookies and let her be a goddamn grandma. Let her go to the goddamn casino with a mask on. Okay. <laughs> That's what she wants. Okay. <laughs> um, yes. We have our question of the day. Oh, did you see Regis Philbin died? I put that in my <gasps> notes. You didn't know? I didn't know Reg died. Reg. Reg is gone. Regis. He was almost, I think like almost 89. Who wants to be? A millionaire. Yeah. I feel like he was so sweet. I really he? hope I really hope it doesn't come out that he was like a scumbag or something. But I don't I feel like he wasn't in my heart of hearts. In my heart of hearts I feel the same way. I feel like he was a very like my dad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I bet Reed had a lot of like um inner knowledge because of who wants to be a millionaire. Oh yeah. You know what I I'm mean? I'm sure. I'm sure Why he with was Regis and Kelly. I'm I bet sure. Kelly's sad. I know. He probably sat there on who wants to be a millionaire like, well, I know that mm-hmm. one. <laughs> you <laughs> loser. You had to use a fucking <laughs> lifeline, you loser. You're a dummy. Get off my stage. You're about to get it wrong. You dummy. <laughs> Is that your final answer? <laughs> I'm the only millionaire in this room. <laughs> I feel sad about that. I know. I put that in my notes and I forgot to talk about him. (sighs) Poor Reach. All right. Blessed be. We've got our QOTD from Samantha in the Facebook group. Hey, Samantha. Samantha asks, who's on or who would be on your free pass list? Let me tell you. Your hall pass. Let me tell you, honey. If I had a hall pass, I would be fucking Gerard Butler up and down. (laughs) I love him. I like him too. I love he Gerard. He would be my first pick, but I he like him. He would be my first pick, and I <laughs> bet he would know exactly what to do. <laughs> I just love him. Gerard, honey, if you are listening to this, <laughs> I'm I've sure got he a is. hall pass. <laughs> I've got a hall pass with your name on it. Your name and my name, honey. <laughs> Meant to be. Would you like to go to the fantasy suite with me, Gerard? Would you like to go to the Sybaris? <laughs> Anyway, I really just love him. I just love... I hope that he's not a scum. I know. God. I know. Um, What's your fave thing with him in it? Oh, God. You know what? Can I tell you a little fun fact about me? Yeah, sure. Well, I don't like fucking action flicks. I don't either. I'm not an action flick gal. They're but boring But if you me. tell me that Gerard Butler is in a new action flick, my ass is going to be on the couch right in front of that TV watching that action flick because I'm in love with him. That's... The only reason I went and saw King Arthur with my husband is because Charlie Hunnam was in it. Yeah. And I was like, I don't give a fuck about goddamn King Arthur. We all know it. We all know. Yeah, we all what know happened. about that. But oh, my blonde but beauty was in there. All of his movies, <laughs> all, every single Gerard Butler film, mm-hmm. I don't care that it's an action movie. White yeah. House Down, all of those, like, blah, 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 Downs. Mm-hmm. I, those are my favorites of his. Really? Also, there was this other one that he was in that was two parts, and I don't remember what it is. But Wasn't there just, one where he escaped prison? probably yeah i don't know but he's just a storyline what's that <laughs> i just watch his face yeah. all over it mm-hmm. and his body yeah it's just beautiful yeah i would just love to see him dipped in some chocolate <laughs> makes me want a hot dog real bad <laughs> anyway yeah so he would be my number one every single mm-hmm. time who else anybody else what's um, your fave i do like that boy that we both like 
Mike you know? Vogel. Mike Vogel. Yeah, he's like my number one. He's just a little love muffin. He was on what? I love a, I like him blonde. I like a blonde man. They're mm-hmm. like dark blonde. Him and Charlie. Hannah, yeah. I like dark blonde. Um, but Mike Vogel was on um, Under the Dome. He was on um, Bates Motel. Mm-hmm. He was on... He's going to be on... Actually, he's starring in Sex Life. It's going to be on Netflix. And it's based on B.B. Easton's book, 44 Chapters About Four Men. Right. And he's oh yeah I can't wait about that I can't Um, wait hopefully there's a full on nude and I have one more okay I might so number two yeah on my hall pass list would absolutely be Paul Holes oh we love Paul (laughs) we love us some Paul Paul is a god essentially cutie God he really is we are yep we're I just love him hot for hashtag hot for holes Jen we know you love your yourself some Paul Holes too Jen I've been trying to tell you. That we're hot for holes <laughs> for a long time but now. she had to find it out for herself and so. she did jen, <laughs> she fa- did. <laughs> jen found it out and she spiraled down the fucking paul holes rabbit hole and we don't know if she's coming back out and we hope she doesn't because we're down here too okay Stay anyway with us should we get started on our topic for today i feel like we probably should that's what the masses are here for the ma- the <laughs> masses honey i and katie we both as a team are going to be talking to you today about two authors yeah two authors who got themselves into little tizzies some predicaments Mm-hmm. and i will be starting katie you know who i'm doing already i know who you're doing but i'm yes. gonna add a little suspense because i think it's only fitting for the <laughs> listeners okay. okay coven so one of the largest manhunts to this day started on December 3rd of 1926. It was a disappearance, a case that ended up having 1,000 police officers assigned to it in the beginning. Dang. Mm-hmm. Also, civilians aided in search efforts, and it was the very first time that aeroplanes were used in a case like this. December 3rd. You're making direct eye contact with me, and it's making me uncomfortable. (laughs) It seemed like any other Friday. A simple day. A prelude to the weekend, if you will. But then, after going upstairs and kissing her daughter Rosalind goodnight, Agatha Christie drove off into the night in her Morris Cowley Roadster, and she wasn't seen again for 11 days. Done. I'm going to be talking to you about the strange and mysterious disappearance of Miss Agatha Christie, the most renowned, best-selling author of all time. She's got such a good name. Agatha. She fucking does. Agatha Christie. And it's her real name. It's not a pseudonym? No. Hmm. Her real name was Agatha Mary Clarissa Christie. Wow. She had Mm -hmm. a bunch of names. She was a fucking (laughs) icon legend. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have loved Agatha Christie for as long as I can remember. And Then There Were None was one of the very first horror mystery types of books that I ever read. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually the inspiration behind my very first novel, Sinner's Retreat. Mm-hmm. And that will always be my little book baby. I put so much of my blood, sweat, and tears into that. And it was all because of Agatha. Mm-hmm. Agatha Christie wrote 66 detective type of stories. Dang, she was a busy chick. And 14 short stories. Yeah, she had an imagination honey Mm -hmm. it was all her mind was brilliant and beautiful and all over the place and i just love her this is a quote she was initially an unsuccessful writer with six consecutive rejections but this changed in 1920 when the mysterious affair at styles was published 
she and her first husband, Archie, married in 1914 and they had one child together. During both world wars, she served in hospital dispensaries, acquiring a thorough knowledge of the poisons which most of her novels featured. And Archie was actually a colonel, I think. Okay. Yeah, so that's they were both in the world wars. Now, on December 4th, Agatha's vehicle was found down by a lake with her clothes strewn all about inside. Oh, no. Police and media immediately declared it was foul play. They were just all over that shit. They were like, she's a writer of mysteries. She probably did this on purpose. She just mm. wanted to get the fuck out of here. The media goes fucking apeshit because the murder mystery author is missing in action. It's literally the perfect fucking headline right. for, for a newspaper. Yeah. Like, Agatha Christie, world-renowned murder mystery novelist, goes missing. Abandoned car may lead to the truth, dot, dot, dot. The drama. Mm -hmm. Quote, two of Britain's most famous crime writers, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, creator of Sherlock Holmes, which you may know, and Dorothy L. Sayers, author of the Lord Peter Whimsey series, were drawn into the search as well. Their specialist knowledge, it was hoped, would find the missing writer. End quote. That was from HistoryExtra.com. Three days into the search, Archie's brother told the police that he had received a letter from Agatha and it had said that she was going to a spa for rest and treatment because she was in ill health. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. The police initially then called off the search because they're like, okay, cool, whatever. She's fine. She's going to hang out for a little bit. Relax. She's having a spa day. Yeah. Um, but then on December 10th, for whatever reason, they decided to resume the search, probably because it was just a little bit longer and she hadn't came home yet. Yeah. Uh, the police decided to even bring one of Agatha's dogs to the scene where her car was left to see if the dog could track her scent. But the dog didn't do anything besides whine. Yeah, so that was kind of silly. <laughs> that would have been me. Mm -hmm. I'm that dog. So just a little bit more about the scene. So her Morris Cowley Roadster was like kind of teetering on the very edge, almost going into the water. Oh, that makes me nervous. Yeah. And then there was clothes, like I said, thrown all about in the car. And it just looked like it was like a little bit of an accident. Mm -hmm. And she had maybe walked away from it. It wasn't known. Yeah. It was very strange. There's a lot of pictures of like police and detectives standing around the car, like with their hands on their hips, like, hmm. Would you I look wonder, at that? <laughs> I, I wonder where she went. Um, yeah. So detectives assigned to her mysterious disappearance were under the assumption that she just simply committed suicide. Oh. Mm -hmm. They centered their investigations around a pond called, quote, the Silent Pool, end quote. Ooh. Yeah. I guess it was like this rumored pond to be a bottomless pit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like people will go in there and never come out. Hmm. So they just were kind of conspiring that okay, it's Agatha Christie. She wrote all of these fucking weird novels with yeah. a lot of brutal killings. She probably just ended up losing it and offed herself and, and drowned. Or she's you know? being like dramatic. She's mm -hmm. being a dramatic yeah. woman, don't you know? Because that's what we do. Don't you know? The papers published a quote from someone claiming to be Agatha's friend. Now, we don't know if it truly was or not, but this is what the friend had said. Agatha told her that her home was haunted and had been the scene of a murder and a suicide. Hmm. And Agatha said, quote, If I do not leave Sunningdale soon, Sunningdale will be the end of me. End quote. The New York Times. And this is not the first time that it's like that she's been saying this about Sunningdale. Mm -hmm. On December 11th, police told the public that there were no reliable witnesses who had seen Agatha since the night she disappeared. However, there was an interesting development. Letters. One for her brother-in-law, 
one for her secretary, and one for her dear husband, Archie. And I'm saying that because you'll find out soon. Okay. Archie's a dick. <laughs> um, her husband never divulged what was in his letter. On December 13th, nearly 15,000 people, both authorities and commoners, set out looking for Agatha once again. Rumors started flying around town that she had left behind a secret envelope, like a fourth envelope, mm -hmm. only to be opened once her body was found. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Drama. Police now thought that she may be hiding in plain sight dressed as a male in London. <laughs> I don't know where they were getting these theories, mm -hmm. honestly. A seance was even held by people who held seances near where the <laughs> abandoned car was found. I don't think anything happened from yeah, that. Yeah, well. On December 14th. This is a quote. The paper reported that the police had found some important clues nearby, including a bottle labeled poison lead and opium, fragments of a torn up postcard, a woman's fur lined coat, a box of face powder, the end of a loaf of bread, a cardboard box and two children's books, end quote from the New York Times. However, despite the car being left shadily down by the pond the clues the letters the media outcry 11 days later miss agatha christie was found at the spa where she said she was be going to be oh no yep <laughs> climax <laughs> my lord she agatha Agatha was found safe, unharmed, at the spa, like she told reportedly in that letter to her brother-in-law. Okay, had she been there the yes. whole time? She was there. The whole she time. She was safe. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? Now. Believe women, okay? <laughs> please. Just fucking, you didn't need to send oh, out the masses. She told everyone she was going there. Mm. Do we know why her car was mysteriously left at the that edge is, of, a, yeah. a, of a water? I could see no. why they would think that is strange, because it is. It, yes, certainly. Now. <laughs> certainly. <laughs> she has apparent amnesia oh. okay when they find her she tells everyone she can't remember anything that happened she has no idea why her car was at the lake or why she ended up at the spa so maybe she wasn't at the spa the whole time maybe someone else wrote the letter we don't know we're not sure or maybe hmm. she wrote the letter and forgot that she was going yeah <laughs> you know we're not really exactly sure but we know that she's okay yeah now Upon starting an investigation, police discovered that Agatha Christie checked into the spa as none other than Teresa Neal. Wait, why? Now you have no idea who Teresa no. Neal is or why I said that so, so suspensefully, <laughs> but you're about to. Let's take a break and talk about Agatha's husband, Archie Christie, Colonel Archibald Christie. Archie was a World War I pilot and known as a philanderer. It's said that Agatha's husband asked her for a divorce in early 1926, and it's now December, so it's almost a year since whenever he asked her for this divorce. Mm -hmm. And he asked her for a divorce because he was in love with a woman named Teresa Neal. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Well, Agatha knew, right? Agatha knew about it, and she, caught, she checked in as the woman's name. Why? Doctors checked out Miss Agatha and said she does, in fact, have amnesia. So, 
Investigators do their investigating and determine that the most likely sequence of events was that Agatha left her home, crashed while on the way to London. She decided to jump on a train and ended up in Harrogate and checked into the Swan Hydro, which is now known as the Swan Hotel. She was like, I'm going to that fucking spa. She wanted to go to that spa and she didn't care what stood in her way. Fuck she didn't this. care that she got into a car crash. She got onto a goddamn train. She, she needed the spa more she than need, ever at that she point. She needed the spa more than she did before after God, that car crash. I need a spa. Now, uh, the uh, were you wondering how she was discovered? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> God, are you yelling at me? (laughs) One of the hotel's banjo players, his name was Bob Tappan, he recognized Agatha and realized who she was immediately. He ended up contacting the local authorities who called Agatha's husband and he rushed right over to the spa. He's like, I got this, guys. This yep. is my time to shine. Yep. Yeah. He was just a, a banjo player. It was Bob's he, time to shine. He's he was like, in the right place her. at the right time. Yep. You know who wasn't in a rush, though? Ags. Oh. Agatha. This is what it was reported. Agatha told her husband, no, no. You wait here in the lobby. I'm going to go change into my evening gown. <laughs> so she went upstairs yes. and changed into this fucking elaborate evening gown and then came back downstairs. Well, and she was like, nope, I don't know who I am, what I'm doing. Oh, no. I have no idea what's going on. I don't know why I'm here. Um, Maggie. So all in all, she was missing for a total of 11 days. She never once spoke about what happened to make her run or what she did during those 11 days. Quote, Her husband said that she'd suffered a total memory loss as a result of the car crash. But, according to biographer Andrew Norman, the novelist may well have been in what was known as a fugue state. Hmm. Mm -hmm. More technically, a psychogenic trance. It's a rare condition brought on by trauma or depression, end quote, from HistoryExtra.com. Now, Andrew Norman continued this, saying that, by Agatha checking in under Teresa Neal's name and also not even recognizing herself in the media when all the papers were like freaking out about her, mm-hmm. he believes that she had, quote, fallen into psychogenic amnesia, end quote. He thinks that she was more than likely suicidal and says that she wrote about it later on, although she didn't speak about it. Supposedly a character that she wrote, Celia, in the novel Unfinished Portrait, which was an autobiography, was written to tell about her state of mind during those 11 days. Oh, wow. Now, I haven't read this, Mm -mm. but I want to now. Two years after the ordeal, she divorced the fuck out of Archie because he was in love with another woman and she was finally just fucking sick of his bullshit. Yeah. That was in 1928. And I'm happy about it because at first it said that she didn't really believe in divorce, which like, mm-hmm. not that she didn't believe in it, but that's what it said. But she just didn't want to be divorced, right. you know, and right. it, this was a different time yeah. in the 20, in 1920s. Anyway, so that was why they were still together in the first place, despite the fact that he was in love with Teresa Neal. Right. But she clearly got over that and over him too. Goodbye, Archie. So what do people have to say about this? Some people think that Agatha pulled a good old publicity stunt, Mm -hmm. that she just did this to gain headlines. I don't believe that. Yeah. I feel like Agatha was a fucking household name. She didn't need to fucking go running away to sell books. Right. Exactly. By that point... She was selling books all on her I own. I feel like she just wanted to get to that fucking spa. <laughs> she. I feel her stress. She's yeah. Like, she didn't give a shit. <laughs> she might have almost went into the water. Yeah. She needed to get to that spa. She jumped on a train. Yeah. Got to Harrogate and well, spotted it out. It really sounds like, because she was, it said that she was going there for her health. So clearly she was already probably very stressed out, probably had stuff going on, you know, that she was having problems dealing with. 
And she's like, well, now I really have, you know, I really have to go. I just yeah. have to get there. I think that Andrew Norman maybe was on to something. Yeah. Because maybe she, this is all speculation now. This yeah. is not backed up at all. But maybe she was depressed. Maybe she was suicidal. We don't know. Mm-hmm. She didn't talk about it. Right. Rightfully so. She didn't fucking have to. Mm-hmm. But let's say, yeah, she was. She want, She need. her husband was fucking cheating on her mm-hmm. in love with another woman. She had a baby by this man. She was writing all of these books that, you know what? Sometimes when you write a book like that, it fuck it fucks with you. Yeah. And she wrote 66 of them. Mm-hmm. Like that was a lot of books. Not at yeah. that time, I guess. But she had written a lot of books by that time. Yeah. And what a fugue state is, which was what he was saying, is, quote, disassociative fugue, psychogenic fugue or fugue state, presents as sudden, unexpected travel away from one's home with inability to recall some or all of one's past. Onset is sudden, usually following severe psychosocial stressors. This state usually lasts for minutes to days, end quote, from Britannica, which she could have just fucking had enough. Mm-hmm. It all could have came to a head. Yeah. She knew she needed to get the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. And she just, it just happened while she was on her way. Right. She crashed her car, but then maybe it just happened for a few minutes. She knew she needed to get to the spa. Mm-hmm. And then she kept just... Maybe she didn't even look at the papers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like when I was in Michigan, yeah. I knew I needed to take a fucking time out. Yeah. So I took a time out. I didn't look at anything. Back then too, you know, if you, I mean, maybe not her, if, she, you know, she was like a famous author, but if you talk about this stuff, mm-hmm. they could have sent her to a fucking like nasty ass asylum right. and just let her rot in there. Right. Honestly, it would be number one. Maybe she checked in under Teresa Neal's name because she truly was having some kind of you know psychotic episode yeah and she wanted to be the woman that her husband was in love with maybe she was going to work on something for a new book like we don't know it could have been so many different things but that is the mysterious disappearance of agatha christie wow isn't that just a wild ride Mm -hmm. i just love her i know i love and for the longest time i didn't even know that that had happened to her that i didn't either yeah i didn't either good job yeah thanks that was a good one So I'm going to be telling you the story of self-published romance author, Nancy Crampton Brophy. Never heard of her. She wrote under the name just Nancy Brophy. That's what her books say. Are her books still for sale? Yeah, they're still all up on Amazon. Yikes. You can look at that. She's the author of several books, such as The Wrong Lover, The Wrong Cop, The Wrong Hero, (sighs) The Wrong Brother. Yes. And mm. the wrong husband. Mm. They're kind of like um Is romantic. this a little foreshadowing? Mm. They're kind of like uh they're romantic suspense. Ooh, okay. Like kidnapping, murder, stuff like that. Okay. But a little love inside. Oh yeah, some steamy steamy loving. Mm. Okay. Um this woman, let me just tell you. Okay. I'm gonna start off with a blog post that Nancy wrote in November of twenty eleven. It's not on her own blog, but I'm not going to say the name of the blog because I don't know if they want to be associated with her. I had to dig for this, like in archives. This post by Nancy is entitled, How to Murder Your Husband. Oh, no. So I'm going to read this directly from her post. So this is all a big quote from her. Okay, buckle up, guys. How to Murder Your Husband by Nancy Brophy. As a romantic suspense writer, I spend a lot of time thinking about murder and consequently about police procedure. After all, if the murderer is supposed to set me free, I certainly don't want to spend any time in jail. Mm. And let me say clearly for the record, I don't like jumpsuits and orange isn't my color. Same, honey. Motives. 
Number one, financial. This is big. Divorce is expensive, and do you really want to split your possessions? Or if you married for money, aren't you entitled to all of it? (laughs) (laughs) What? Hold on. Yes, bitch. The drawback is the police aren't stupid. They're looking at you first. So you have to be organized, ruthless, and very clever. Mm. Husbands have disappeared from cruise ships before. Why not yours? It sounds like an ad. Yeah. Two, lying, cheating, bastard. Deception of any sort. This is a crime of passion. In anger, you bash his head in or stab him with a kitchen knife. Most of the time, there's a trail that leads directly to you. Mm-hmm. There is. Each type of murder leaves clues. A crime of passion does not look like a stranger was involved. And who is left to clean the blood from your carpeting? Oh my god. Three, fell in love with someone else. Usually financial is also involved here. Let's say your church frowns on divorce. Most do. (laughs) You need to be a widow so you won't fall out of favor with your religion. At this point, I should mention that it helps if you aren't too burdened by the Ten Commandments. Oh my god. What's her name again? Nancy Brophy. Nancy, honey. Four, abuser. This one is tough. Anybody can claim abuse. What is abuse? To a teenager, it might look different than to a spouse. As a motivation, this reason usually comes up after you've been arrested. Not a lot of abused wives dial 911 upon burning down the house with their husband in it. (laughs) Oh my lord in heaven. Five, it's your profession. Now we're talking. You already possess both skill and knowledge. You have the moral ambiguity necessary to carry it off. Quick hit and you fade from the scene. Get your payment up front from someone else because life insurance probably won't send you a check. Probably not. Options to consider. Guns. Loud. Messy. Require some skill. If it takes 10 shots for the sucker to die, either you have terrible aim or he's on drugs. (laughs) The sucker. Knives. Really personal and close up. Blood everywhere. Ew. Garrot. How much upper body strength does it require to strangle a person? Random heavy piece of equipment. Usually this involves hitting someone hard with a baseball bat or pipe wrench you just happen to have in your hand. Poison. Considered a woman's weapon. Arsenic is easy to obtain, but worse, easy to trace. It takes a month or two to kill someone. Plus, they are sick the entire time. Who wants to hang out with a sick husband? (laughs) Oh my god. Knowledge of pharmaceuticals would be handy. Availability would be even better. A word of caution. Watch out for poisons found in nature. They're not a sure thing. Too little? Too much? Your mother always told you to marry a doctor. Now you know why. Hiring a hitman. Do you know a hitman? Neither do I. Same. (laughs) And an amazing number of hitmen rat you out to the police. Or blackmail you later. Hiring a lover. Never a good idea. No, no, no. The husband dies and the wife gets the money. The lover doesn't always win in this scenario. And sometimes he, too, finds himself facing a loaded gun. I find it easier to wish people dead than to actually kill them. I don't want to worry about blood and brain splattered on my walls. No. And really, I'm not good at remembering lies. But the thing I know about murder is that every one of us have it in him or her when pushed far enough. What constitutes a good romantic suspense is the whys. What happened that forced a person into this situation? How will they justify this action? By the way, he needed killing is not a legal defense. Can they keep a secret? A confidence whispered in the dark is no longer a secret. What if killing didn't produce the right results? Would they do it again? Could they do it again? What if they liked it? 
whoa, there's an idea for a new story. Wow. Okay, that's the end of her blog post. Okay. So here we go. And yes, that might be a little bit, maybe might be a little bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> On June 3rd, 2018, Nancy posted... Oh, wow, this is current. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So June 3rd, 2018, Nancy posted this to her Facebook timeline, and you can still find her profile and see it. Oh, God. Quote, for my Facebook friends and family, I have sad news to relate. My husband and best friend, Chef Dan Brophy, was killed yesterday morning. For those of you who are close to me and feel this deserved a phone call, you are right, but I'm struggling to make sense of everything right now. There is a candlelight vigil at Oregon Culinary Institute tomorrow, Monday, June 4th at 7 p.m. While I appreciate all of your loving responses, I am overwhelmed. Please save phone calls for a few days until I can function, end quote. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, Nancy, who is 69, and Daniel, who is 63, they seem wow. to have, like, a great life. And they're old. Uh, not old, but I mean, like, they're not They're young. older, yeah. You don't, normally you don't hear about older people in this situation mm-hmm. together. Okay. So they seem to have a great life on the outside, at least. But you know what I always say, there's usually more than what meets the eye, Mm -hmm. you know. They lived in Beaverton, which is a suburb of Portland, Oregon, with their dogs, PB&J. Aww. (laughs) They'd been married for over 26 years, and they really seemed to have, like, a loving marriage. They raised chickens and turkeys together. They had this big fabulous vegetable garden that they worked on together. Some friends and acquaintances noted that while Nancy and Dan's marriage seemed fine, they also noticed that the two weren't really involved with each other's lives. Like they tended to do like their own things. Yeah. That's well, that's how you of, make a marriage last. A lot of guys. relationships work great like that. <laughs> yeah. That's just how it is. On Nancy's author website, she says that Daniel's life motto was quote, life is like a science project. Dan was a renowned chef who had been working at the Oregon Culinary Institute since 2006. He was beloved there by his students and colleagues. He was described as having in like an offbeat sense of humor or like a little, a little bit of a darker sense yeah. of humor. They said he had a creative approach to teaching and just seemed to kind of like know everything. He was everyone's go-to. And he'd even take his students on field trips like to the wilderness to look for like wild mushrooms and dig oh, for cool. clams. Um, he just sounds like everyone's favorite teacher. Like, you know the one. Yeah. Mr. Factor. That everybody loves. Oh, I loved him. <laughs> I really loved him. He was sick of everyone's shit, though. He really was. And he had a very dry sense of hum- humor. And he told my mom that he- we got along because I had a very dry yeah. sense of humor in fifth grade. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so also from Nancy's website, she said that Dan, this is her author website. Right. Is she- that still up? Mm-hmm. She said that Dan would cook dinner for her every night. Um, She can't remember exactly when she fell in love with him, but she did say she decided to marry him when she was in the bathtub waiting for him to join her. Oh. And she called out asking, like, are you coming? You know, she was waiting for him. And he's like, yes, but I'm making hors d'oeuvres. Okay, I would fall in love with Mm -hmm. him, too. She said, quote, can you imagine spending the rest of your life with someone like that? Yes. While she talks about these lovey-dovey moments on her website, she also admits that things weren't always perfect, and the two, they did have their ups and downs, just any, like, any relationship. Mm -hmm. A friend of Nancy and Dan said that Nancy was really wanting to sell their house and just, like, set out and travel the world, like, retire, basically. Um, But she wasn't sure if she could get Dan to go along with that. He really seemed to just, like, enjoy his simple life. He liked his job, um, and then Nancy just wanted more and more and more. Now, Nancy had her books, but they weren't doing as well as she'd hoped. 
Same. I knew you were going to laugh at that. <laughs> Me and you, we know all too well that it's expensive to publish. It truly is. Um, Nancy also sold Medicare and life insurance policies. Oh. She and Dan had struggled with money for years. It turns out that the two were six grand behind on their mortgage. Oh, God. Um, all the while, Nancy had paid 16 grand in insurance premiums in 2017 alone. And wow. I'm going to get more into that later. Okay. So they lived on a tight, tight budget. So on the morning of June 2nd, 2018, Daniel Brophy began his normal morning routine. He got to work early before any students arrived for his very first class. But when the students began to trickle into the kitchen at the Goose Hollow campus, they found Daniel on his back, bleeding and unresponsive, surrounded by bullet casings. (gasps) They called 911 and attempted to perform life-saving measures, but unfortunately, Dan was dead before the paramedics arrived at the scene at about 8 a.m. The medical examiner found that he'd been shot once in the back, that bullet hit his spine, and then shot once in the chest at close range. That bullet pierced his heart. Oh, no, Dan. When police interviewed the students, not a single one of them could give a description of the suspect because they didn't see a suspect. No one else was there. The person who shot and killed Dan was long gone before anyone else got there. There were no signs of a struggle, and it wasn't a robbery gone wrong because he still had his phone, his wallet, his keys, his car was parked outside, and there was no forced entry into the school. Okay. On June 4th, the candlelight vigil that Nancy talked about in that Facebook post was held outside of the school. Hundreds of people, family, friends, and students came out to mourn Dan, including Nancy. But days turned into weeks, and investigators still had no leads on who might have killed him. Now, Dan McConnell had been a neighbor of theirs, of Nancy and Dan's, for about six years. Dan? Dan Mm -hmm. McConnell? Okay. Dan McConnell. He told the Oregonian that Nancy was kind of acting a little suspicious after Dan died. A little sus. Mm -hmm. Don had spoken to her and kind of, he kind of like asked if they had any leads or asked her like, why would someone have done this? He asked if police were keeping in touch with her and Nancy said, quote, no, I'm a suspect. Okay. So it's true. Like, yes, shocking, I know. But let me just tell you some of the evidence the police had been gathering while Nancy sat at home, wondering when they'd come for her. Oh, God. Nancy was caught on surveillance driving in front of the culinary school at 7.08 a.m. on the morning Dan was murdered. She was circling the parking lot, like, waiting for him to show up. And then they saw her driving again at 7.28 a.m. in a minivan that looked exactly like the one she owned, like it was her car. Dan had disarmed the school's alarm when he went into the building at 7.21 a.m. And he was the only person in the building at the time, according to the affidavit, written by prosecutor Sean Overstreet. Nancy tried saying that she stayed home that entire morning. So, ding, ding, motherfucker. Yep. You lied. Yep, you lied. And that's the it's first bad thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first bad thing. Bad thing number one. <laughs> you know what? Someone who wrote this egregious blog post, Mm -hmm. sounding very professional, very intelligent, very smart, very witty, very know-it-all, doesn't think that there might be cameras surrounding a school? I feel like, okay, if she did do this, I feel like that that type of thing, writing these books, writing the blog posts like that, probably made her overconfident. Right. Is what I'm thinking. Right. Okay. 
if she did it. Mm-hmm. In this affidavit, Sean Overstreet also said that Nancy had called Darren Posey, who was the lead detective on Dan's case. Mm-hmm. She called him three days after the murder, asking him to send her a letter confirming that she was not a suspect. What? So that she could claim Dan's life insurance payout. Oh, for fuck's sake. Nancy. She'd claimed that Dan had a $40,000 policy. Lie number two. Oh, no. Because remember how she was paying all of that money on those premiums? Right. Well, it turns out she sold those fucking policies to herself and made herself the sole beneficiary. Idiot. She had been setting herself up, allegedly, now I have to say allegedly because she hasn't been found guilty yet, Mm -hmm. but she stood to receive about $1.5 million in life insurance and workers' compensation policies because Dan was killed at work. Jesus. She Mm -hmm. put a lot of thought into this. Yes, she fucking did, if she did it. Yeah. (laughs) Police also obtained a gun from Nancy. She told them that her and Dan bought this gun at a gun show earlier in 2018 because of the school shooting in Parkland, Florida. made them nervous. Um, But they had, quote, lost interest in this gun and never got around to purchasing any ammo. The gun was found to be the same make and model, a 9mm pistol, that was used to murder Dan. But ballistics couldn't tie the gun specifically to the murder. Nancy had also purchased different various gun parts online before Dan was shot. Investigators think that Nancy had taken the slide and the barrel that she purchased and put those onto her pistol that they had. Oh. Sneaky, fucking sneaky, Nance. It's believed that after she allegedly shot Dan, she removed those pieces and replaced them with the original parts. Mm. And because of that, they wouldn't be able to match right. those shell casings found to her gun. Right. Just, oh. She allegedly really thought that through, too. Yeah, she allegedly fucking did allegedly. Mm-hmm. Investigators also discovered that Nancy had bookmarked an article on iTunes on an account that her and Dan shared titled 10 Ways to Cover Up a Murder. God. Now, I'm just going to throw this out there, even though I believe personally that Nancy is guilty. The things that I've looked at, like for my writing and for this podcast, yeah. would have me arrested immediately. A million If percent. I were ever like under suspicion. But anyway, all of this, plus that blog post I read to you earlier, that was enough to press charges. So on September 5th, 2018, Nancy was arrested at her home and charged with Dan's murder and unlawful use of a weapon. And she was taken to Inverness Jail. Do you want to know what she said? What? When they arrested her. Quote, you're arresting me? You must think I murdered my husband. End quote. No. No, we want to give you a parking ticket. Dan's sister, Karen Brophy, was in total shock. She called it craziness. She didn't believe it. Neither did, like, most of her other friends or family. The whole neighborhood was just in disbelief. Um, But here's the thing. All of the evidence I mentioned was sealed from the public until last year. Okay until 2019 because the courts were afraid that this story was going to be huge in the media and Nancy wouldn't get a fair trial. I mean, I get that, but that like her friends and her family and her in-laws were there like taking care of her, but they didn't know about any of this. All they know is that he was shot at work and she's a widow now and she's grieving. So they were, mm, it just makes me feel very icky inside. Yeah. Tanya Medlin, a longtime friend of Nancy's said, quote, I can't imagine I just don't think she's capable, Hmm. end quote. 
Women are capable of anything. Yeah. So on September 13th, 2018, Nancy was indicted by a grand jury on one count of murder with a firearm constituting domestic violence. And on September 17th, she pleaded not guilty. Now, in November of 2018, Nancy had a hearing that was supposed to be about a request from her attorney for a court order to seal the visitor's log at her jail. Why, I wonder? Are you going to tell me? Her attorney was like, the visitor's log is public knowledge, and we don't want the prosecution to be able to see what kinds of experts and witnesses we're talking with. We don't want them to have a leg up on us. Right. Bullshit. The prosecution was like, no, no, no. What the fuck? Sean Overstreet was like, we don't fucking care about Nancy's legal strategy. Like, we have this in the bag. Right. We think Nancy might be committing crimes behind bars. You know what? Leave it to Nancy. Yeah, right? Nance. Allegedly. They think that one or more of her visitors might be involved in criminal activity with her and that they have proof. We just don't know what this is yet. It hasn't come out. But isn't that wild? That is wild. I can't wait to see what that's all about. I Mm want to know. I want to know what she's doing or allegedly doing. Allegedly doing. In February of 2019, Dan's son filed a wrongful death suit against Nancy. And he's also fighting her in court over his dad's estate. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Nancy's house is valued at $375,000. And it's in Nancy and Dan's name. So usually in Oregon, the surviving spouse would get the property automatically. But there's a statute that's designed to prevent murderers from profiting off their crimes. Oh. Mm -hmm. So Dan's son could gain over a million dollars when it's all said and done. Good. He should. Allegedly? Yes. Allegedly. Yeah. That boy should get all of it. Yep. So Nancy remained in jail for all of 2019 while awaiting her trials and in january of this year 2020 her defense team said that her murder charge should be thrown out what shut up defense team they said that police had mishandled evidence and just botched up the whole investigation they said the search warrant for brophy's home was too broad and investigators withheld info from the judge and nancy had also taken out life insurance policies on her own life of course she did you know she did nothing wrong but it sounds to me like they're afraid of all the evidence that they do have against nancy and they're just kind of grasping at straws but whatever they're doing their jobs i suppose they're her defense lawyers um so nancy is still sitting in jail and in april of this year she decided that she wanted to go stay in her guest house in portland because of the coronavirus Apparently, she's diabetic, and she is 69 years old, so that would make her a higher risk, you know. Yeah, sure. But um, the judge was like, okay, if she wants out on bail, she's got to have a bail hearing. But she'd previously waived her right to that hearing when she was arrested. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So the judge is like... Dummy. Um, no. I'm just yeah. picturing the judge being like... Sorry, uh, Charlie. No. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, um, Nancy. So she's still in there, still waiting, and personally, like, I can't wait to see what happens at her trial. I'm I don't excited. think there's a date yet because there's all of this, like, red right. tape that they're doing with, like, right. the civil suit and the wrongful death suit and all that. So, but isn't that wild? That is wild. I thought that was so. such a crazy, crazy story. That was. Both of them were. Mm-hmm. They both were this time. Yeah. And they were both writers. Yeah. And they both wrote kind of, like, you know, mm-hmm. suspenseful, mysterious things. And only just, I mean, that goes to show you. <clears throat> I do understand, though like i said searching and looking up and oh, bookmarking yeah. these things i get it mm-hmm. i've had to look up some crazy stuff yesterday on the way home from michigan i was literally looking up some really bad things mm-hmm. and i was like thinking as i was looking them up like oh fuck i really hope like something doesn't happen you yeah. know what i mean and then i'm gonna be looked into because <laughs> yeah. this is some fucked up shit that i'm looking up. yeah you're like well i'm on a list now yep, yep. sorry <laughs> yep 
sorry about it. There's nothing I can do. I can't get it wrong in a book. Right. I'm going to be laughed at. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the laughing stock of MVK Middle School. <laughs> you know? So are have you been reading, watching, or listening to anything? I actually have been. It's funny you mm-hmm. should ask. So reading. Let's do reading first. Okay. On Sunday morning... <laughs> You're still talking like you're Agatha Christie story. (laughs) On on Sunday morning, I read My Burning Depths, Volume 1, which is poetry by Kaylee. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And then I also finally got around to downloading Viral by Mm -hmm. Jen, by J.R. Rogue, um, which is also fucking just amazing, beautiful, talented, perfect goddess, like, trying in these hard times. Like, it was really good. Mm -hmm. It was really fucking good. I had that one on, like to talk about too yeah do you want me to read really quick jr rogue i'm gonna read your description i'm sure she won't mind she won't Um, i don't think viral is a collection of poems sharing fears confessions and hopeful moments as the world cries out during a time of turmoil so she gathered these like confessions from readers during this pandemic to create something beautiful yeah i loved it yeah it was really really good it's like it's short enough where you can read it like if you only have a little bit of time yes you don't have mm-hmm. to be super invested in it. You right. can pick it back up. Mm-hmm. It's just what we all need, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's very heavy. But very it's also, heavy. it's, I found it comforting. Yeah. Because like, wow, these people are feeling, right, feelings that you I've know, had. I am told a lot that I'm, that I overreact about the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And that I'm doing too much. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm being too afraid. I'm being too this and too that. And the fears that were expressed in viral by J.R. Rogue made it kind of like solidified the fact that there's other people out there like me that are taking these extra precautions that are terrified for their lives and for the lives of their newborn babies, unborn babies, Mm -hmm. children. And it just made me not that I want them to feel like that because it's hard feeling like that. But I was glad to know that it's not just like me being a fucking quote unquote crazy person. Right that there's other people who have those same fears just oh we've all had a whole range of emotions i know we all have throughout this yeah. whole thing it goes from fear to anger to panic to yep. like melancholy yep so those two poetry books are wonderful viral is very fitting for the time that we're in right now and i suggest mm-hmm. you go pick up both of those we'll leave them linked in the description notes below we can also put them on social media if yeah it's we'll a little share bit easier it. let's see so that's books right mm-hmm for watching i'm sorry to say that it's nothing (laughs) and for listening it's the same thing you did start sons of anarchy a little bit didn't you oh yeah (laughs) i'm on episode one of season one of sons of anarchy i'm just trying to get into it i'm it's gonna happen it's just hard to do Mm -hmm. sometimes when your brain doesn't stop to watch something else because it's like i have two things going on in my head yeah you know, yeah. I'm also knee deep in edits again because I have, according to plan, back. Mm-hmm. And Katie and I are working on a little secret project. We do. It's fun. Mm. Now, what about you? Reading, watching, listening? Um. Well, obviously, I read viral too. I just said that. Um. I also read another poetry collection. It's Letters from a Dead Girl. Oh yeah, I didn't. Oh, Cat by Cat hey, Savage. Yeah. Now, Cat won't listen to this probably for like a month because she's always <laughs> behind on them, which is fine. Fine. I'm behind on fine. them too, Kat. Fine. Yep. Fine. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But it'll probably be a little bit before she hears this. It'll probably be out by the time she hears mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And it sounds really good. I haven't mm-hmm. got to read it yet, it obviously. Good. It's not out yet, yeah. but... It's got a beautiful cover. I do love that cover. Mm-hmm. And then listening, I listened to the Fall Line um, three-part series on the Atlanta Ripper. 
which okay. I had no idea about. It's a series of murders of black women in Atlanta between oh, wow. like 1909 and 1914-ish. You want to know why you don't hear about it? Because they don't fucking exactly. talk about it. They read on the podcast, like if it made the newspaper at all, all of these murders, it was like half a sentence. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Bullshit. And they're still like not really solved. That There's figures. some good, you know, like, yeah. it's hard to connect stuff that old that wasn't reported right. on. Um, but it's very well done. Everyone working on that podcast is like putting in the work. Yeah, they're very doing, talented. They're doing it. Um, I'm still watching the same old shit. I'll be gone in the dark. Last night's episode was the one where she dies. And Patton Oswald is like talking about their daughter. Oh, my God. I cried almost the whole time. Tanner cried. I'm really jealous because my fucking husband canceled HBO and now I can't watch it. I wish I could figure out a way for you to watch it. I know. I'm so fucking frustrated Uh about it. It's like a very tense thing in our house. Mm -hmm. Like, it really pissed me (laughs) off. Yeah. Yep, but that's about it. Yeah, I think that that's all. Is there anything going on that we should make the coven aware about? We've got brand new merch. (gasps) We dropped merch. We didn't even tell you. This merch. This merch, guys. This merch. I love this bitch and merch. This um, bitch and merch. It's on cruelinkmedia.com. You click on the little drop down menu and it says cruel merch. And we've got all new designs. It's very fun. It's free shipping. We can only ship in the U.S. right now, though. Ugh. We're working on it. Yeah. Okay. Don't yeah. add us. Also, coronavirus, just fucking another thing up. Mm-hmm. It's making shipping pretty slow, but it's free shipping. Yeah. We've, we decided free shipping for life. Yeah. Free okay? shipping for life within the United States. Things might be slow, but we are able to keep an eye on your order and we'll make sure that it gets to you. Yeah. I love the fucking merch. I like the cupcake killer. <laughs> I love the cupcake one. And I can't wait till we get our new stuff in. Too. I know. I know. We've got Yay. mugs. We've got a few shirt designs. I love the shirts. We we've have got... long sleeve, short sleeve. We don't have a hoodie yet in the fall that'll come. Yeah. We have mugs. We have a accessory pouch. Yep. We've got a tote. Mm-hmm. We've got, I think, three different mugs and a yeah. tank top. And a tank so top. So just go check that out. See um, if you like any of it. We want to say a quick shout out to the very first people who ordered the merch on the night that it launched at like 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Jen Rogue, obviously J.R. Rogue, Autumn, Dawn, and Jessica. Those were our first four orders. So you guys should be getting your shit pretty soon, even though the corona's coming. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> even though... Even though the corona is in the air, you're still going to get it fairly <laughs> soon, I think. Also, real quick, before we give you all of our links, mm-hmm. since the last time that we recorded, we have two new beautiful Patreons, both of which we love very much. Mm-hmm. We have Autumn, who is our, our fucking special fairy godmother lover. Yes. <laughs> I love her so much. She helps me and Katie with everything we do, and she's just the fucking best. And also our BFF fucking Chastity, yes. who we also love, who is just a perfect little peach pie we love her so much so autumn and chastity thank you guys so fucking much for joining the motherfucking cruel coven yes thank you for supporting us in like everything literally that we do literally everything we don't know why we don't know why we do to deserve it we don't know but from our book shit Mm -hmm. to our podcast shit to our life shit Mm -hmm. both of these women autumn and chastity support everything and Mm -hmm. It just makes us hot in the crotch. <laughs> okay, guys, you can send us an email at cruelandunusualthepod at gmail.com. We want your stories. Anything. We really want your stories, on, you guys. guys. Send us your stories. God. I don't know what you're waiting for. Um, you can see our Instagram at cruelandunusualthepod. I tweet at cruelandunusualthepod. 
Pod. You can join our Facebook group. That is Cruel and Unusual Colon the group. If you want to see our new merch, new merch, stuff about our books, more info about the podcast, our source material. Our Everything. source material, guys, is always in the show notes, too. Yeah. Anyway, all of that stuff is at www.cruelinkmedia.com. We love you. We fucking love you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for always listening to us. And thank you for sharing. Yeah. Because that means the world to us. We've had so many new listeners lately. I know. We I would love, love for you guys to come into Cruel and Unusual colon the group. Um, yeah. And tell us about yourself. What got you into true crime? What are your favorite podcasts? What's your favorite shit? What are you doing? Where are you from? Tell us it all <laughs> because we love to interact with everybody. And that's all. We're going to go get burgers. Love you. <laughs> bye. Love you. Bye. Bye.